This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Excited to be joined across the way by Mr. Jeff Abercrombie. Jeff, welcome back. College football regular season is over. Bowl season is soon to kick off. The playoff is set. Another week in the books in the NFL. People are declaring. People are going back to school. A lot to talk about. Excited you're here with me tonight. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road. Uh, I mean, your your fantasy playoffs are here, so everybody's excited about that. You know, we've got NFL playoffs and, you know, all the potential matchup implications. And then, and you know, and then we've got, you know, pretty much, you know, just a little bit left of college football, right? Bowl season for a few teams is like one more game, a couple more for those in the playoffs. And, and it's really, you know, you see it now players gearing up for the off season, getting ready to go into the draft, or maybe thinking about where their future is, you know, maybe somewhere else. So, you know, why don't we maybe get into that a little bit and why don't you kick us off? Yeah. So what, Last week, I talked about some guys that had entered the transfer portal. If there's anybody who I brought up last week, obviously, a couple big names that I mentioned last, uh, you know, last week, you know, DJ Ulangalea, you know, Devin Leary. Uh, those are like the two biggest names, I think. But there was a couple other guys I know you were you were a little intrigued with, I believe, the wide receiver from Arizona. So if you want to circle back to any of them while we're talking transfer portal here. Uh, feel free. But the big ones that have came out since I recorded last week was quarterback Grayson McCall out of Coastal Carolina. And this was a guy who came into this season, you know, round three, round four buzz, very similar to like Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue, Devin Leary out of NC State. You know, this year didn't go as well. Could enter the transfer portal, see, you know, if he can kind of, you know, jump start again his, his draft stock, you know, down the line and maybe in the right situation. Uh, quarterback JT Daniels transferring again. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how many times this guy is going to move around uh, the country. The former major big time recruit just, you know, has, you know, I thought West Virginia would be the last stop. It didn't really materialize there either. Now he's going to try somewhere else. Uh, quarterback Brennan Armstrong. He, he was looked at as a third, fourth round guy by some people. I didn't like him as much, uh, you know, but some people did, you know, in the pre-draft process. You know, before the season started out of Virginia, he's transferring. And then uh, JoJo Early leaving Alabama after he came there from Texas. He was a former big-time recruit. And then I think the one that's most intriguing to me from this week is tight end offensive weapon Jaheim Bell. We talked about him a couple weeks ago when he got, like, a lot of rushing carries. Surprised that he – with the success we've seen of Chica Conquo recently in the NFL – I'm surprised Jaheim Bell's not going to go the route of going to the NFL, hoping he could be an early date three pick and be used as that like Swiss Army knife type player. He's going to stay in college, enter the transfer portal, maybe try to find his way to a bigger program in South Carolina, maybe a place where he's featured a little bit more. But I thought that stood out. So, Jeff, any thoughts on any of the transfer portal guys from this week or maybe circling back to some of the bigger names that I talked about last week? Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about uh, JoJo early, but I think this is, you know, it's just something funny in Alabama right now. I think he's one of several players leaving. Um, is not what you normally see, right? You normally see them going towards Alabama, you know, picking that destination as a place to launch their, you know, trip to their NFL careers. So I think that's just 
that's an interesting thing that um, I, I'm monitoring because we know Alabama didn't. I, I don't. I'd say they had a disappointing season from what we, you know, expect from them, and and I, I don't know. I find that very intriguing. Um, so it's something that I, I I'm willing to monitor, and it just in general the transfer portals like we wouldn't have had this segment or this conversation at all um, in, you know, several years ago because transferring was a major decision that forced you to sit out. It was a, you know, really going to put your future on, on ice for a bit. And, you know, the opportunities that, you know, these, these players are chasing, you know, it, it's hard when you see someone like JT Daniels bounce around, you know, it's, it's almost reminiscent of, you know, players in the NFL kind of jumping back and forth on, on practice squads. And, you know, it, it's not typical, you know, typically if you're a really good player, you're going to, you're going to be able, you're going to have a home and they're going to build it around you. And so I think that's just, you know, that's one of those things for JT Daniels. You know, I hope he finds, you know, some Bo Nix style success, right? Like Bo Nix is a guy we haven't talked enough about, but who's, you know, really stepped up his game you know, transferring out to Oregon and having a great year. So, you know, that's, it, it's sort of, I don't want to call them like long shots, you know, they, they can go somewhere and play really well. Um, but I think it's, it's just as likely that, you know, we're, we'll see it, the JT Daniels pattern too. Right. So, I, I mean, I don't know if there's, you know, I think Jaheim Bell is a very interesting name. I, I think all of these are, are, good players i i don't know if any of them are ones that you know i'm particularly keeping my eye on i, I mean i think jojo early a little bit but um you know is there anything you know any names in here that you're just like you know their their talent that you know coming in you know is something you know you're you're still holding a flame and hoping to to see something big with their moves yeah, I mean, I think this year, while there's going to be a ton and ton tons of movement, I don't think we're going to have the major names that shook the in, you know the college football landscape last year, right? Because we had Caleb Williams and we had Addison, and you know we had other guys heading over to USC to, to go with Lincoln Riley, and you know we had Jameer Gibbs going to Alabama and Zach Evans transferring to Ole Miss, right? So I think the star power of the transfer portal last year is going to be far superior to what we've seen this year. I don't think any of these guys that that have made the move right now are guys that anybody's looking at as currently they are looked at as top 50 or top even 100 NFL draft prospects. So while there's a lot of movement, it's almost like the new version of free agency, but for college football, we don't have the big names just yet. Now, maybe there's going to still be some shoes to drop and we might get some, you know, uh, you know, down the line a little bit. But right now, while there's been a lot of names, it hasn't been star power names like we saw last year. So I think that's yeah. a little bit of the difference. And no one getting me really excited. Like last year, we were excited by a handful of guys. Yeah, I mean, that was it was sort of like the NFL quarterback movement last year, too. Just just quite an anomaly. I mean, you did mention him last week. You did mention he's a, you know, I'm a fan of his. I, I do think Dorian Singer should be getting more love just for as far as his level of play goes, you know, it's probably just being on an Arizona team on the West coast. You know, we're not talking about USC. We're not talking about a ranked UCLA team or Oregon team. Right. You know, we're not talking about Michael Penix jr. Like, or, or any of his receivers, you know, you know, as he's 
you know, trying to play his way to a Heisman kind of kind of season, you know, so he's just kind of tolling away down in Arizona, which, you know, I think is a pretty good offense. Um, they've got really good receivers there. And, you know, I do think his decision to transfer is interesting. Um, I, you know, I'm certain he, he could try to find some better quarterback play. Um, and, and one of the rumor destinations there is USC, which, you know, I, I, I'd be quite fascinated with. And, and, you know, if you, if you're going to, if you're, I don't know, you know, what the kind of tampering rules are around college football, but, you know, if, if you think you're going to be able to get to USC uh, and play with Caleb Williams, like has probably a good career move. Yeah, for sure. So I think it'd be interesting to see, you know, where some of the, the guys settle in terms of their new homes. Uh, I think D- DJ Olangale is going to be an interesting one. Where does he go? Does he get an opportunity? Can he rebuild up his draft stock a little bit in, in the right destination? Like if he goes somewhere and, you know, we've seen guys like Hendon Hooker and Michael Penix and Bo Nix, like really perform well in their new destinations. Well, if Olangale could do that on top of the raw tools that he possesses, Maybe he can get himself back in at least a day two mix where right now I don't I, I think if he declared he'd be more of like a, a team taking a shot on him probably somewhere on day three just because of the traits or the tools. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to, to kind of see. Uh, before we talk about some of the guys who have officially declared, any thoughts, Jeff, on the guys who have chose to return in terms of the big names? You mentioned Michael Penix. I talked about him last week. He's coming back. Uh, just recently in the last couple of days, Jermaine Burden, you know, staying in college at Alabama. I think that's a good decision for him. And then the big one that I talked about last week that I'd love to get your quick takes on is Keishon Booty, right? Like my guess, I mean, remember the first week of the season, we were like, he's out. Like, is he going to leave LSU right now? Yeah. You know, and start, you know, and start just getting ready for the NFL draft. And we just didn't seem like it was the right fit, right coach. And now all of a sudden he's going back to school. So, I thought that was a really interesting one. I, I think he might be have somebody in his ear saying, listen, your stock is falling hard. You're not even a top 50 pick right now. And he's looking at it as I got to go back to school and, and I got to try yeah. to fix this. I do kind of find it to, hard to believe he would have fallen out of round two, um, top 50-ish. I, you know, I really think, you know, he's talented enough and he, he played big it, he played big in big enough games that, you know, I think NFL teams would have taken a shot at him, you know, mid-ish round two, mid-late, but I, maybe he has higher aspirations for himself and I'm not going to knock, I'm not going to hold him, hold that against him. You know, he probably thinks he's, you know, he's a top 20, top 15 pick, you know, he, the best receiver, you know, in a, in a class and, and he has a capability to, to be that. Um, I don't know if, returning to LSU is really the decision that's going to get him there. But, you know, I think that, I think that is a path and I wouldn't be shocked at all. If we're talking about Keishon Booty as, as a round one right wide receiver next year, I also wouldn't be shocked if we're talking about Keishon Booty as, you know, a borderline round two, three guy next year, you know, it, if he kind of has another of the same seasons, it almost might hurt his draft stock a little bit. I, I just don't see it falling out of the top, you know, 75 picks and it is probably you know i i think you spelled it really well last week you know he's he's a round two guy and i think he's looking for more and and that's really what he's going for i think it's the same thing with michael Penix. i mean we had eric on the show he's a huge fan we had a great conversation about him you know why why not him you know for if if levis is a first round pick why not Penix? and um 
you know, and honestly, I, I just, you know, it's probably the same kind of situation for that. He finally had a healthy year where he put everything together on tape year one. And maybe it's just that, you know, NFL teams might have a little bit of concerns around injury durability. If he puts that one more year behind him, if he stacks seasons like this, you know, he could be, con- he could, he's one where immediately on my watch list as a potential first rounder for next year. Now, I, I mean, again, he has to, he has to basically repeat this season, I think, maybe show some more growth, um, you know, maybe more NFL decision making. I mean, he'll, he'll be an older prospect. Uh, an older draft, uh, you know, prospect going into the draft, you know, but if he polishes up his game, you know, I certainly see, you know, a team willing to take a shot on him, you know, I probably like, you know, like the Steelers did with Kenny Pickett. And, you know, I, I think they could, a team could even be happier with Penix and they, then, you know, maybe the Steelers will end up being with Pickett. It, it's all projection, but um, I do think he's taken some great steps forward the healthy season is a big deal. I'm a little bit, you know, I'm curious about what went into his decision to, to turn back into the draft. It, and it does make me think he probably was a late day two kind of grade, maybe from the, you know, from the NFL draft advisory committee. So, you know, and he's probably thinking I can play my way into a bigger role. And yeah, I mean, I think Jermaine Burton just, you know, we just didn't see enough from him. And I don't think he felt like he put enough out there too. And and so yeah. I think it's just a, you know, I'll still hold a, I'll still hold a flame because I think he's, he's shown talent when, you know, he's been out there, but um, you know, his transition wasn't a qu- an easy one. And so, you know, maybe another year in a system and, and hopefully we see uh, an, a, a big explosion year for him next year. Yeah, and the thing with Burden is it's not like he has elite, elite level like athletic traits. Like he would go to the combine and run like a four two eight or four three four to size. That would basically make people mm-hmm. almost forget that he didn't really have a great year this year at Alabama and he would mm-hmm. just be drafted based on traits. So not having that elite, elite athletic ceiling nor to production at Alabama, I think was a smart decision. That shit's interesting, right? Because we said this, this quarterback class is a little bit up in the air. He might have – I would have thought that maybe he would have seen that this is an opportunity to strike while there is some uncertainty. But if he thinks another full year production and health, maybe that would ease some of the concerns in the NFL's eyes because I think they care a little bit less – about age when we're talking quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. So I think if they believe someone could be a franchise quarterback or a starting NFL quarterback, they're not going to push them down because of age. I think we've just seen that enough. So maybe he's saying, I go back, I have another show. If I have another healthy year and produce, maybe I can get top 50 next. He just can't be a project going in. That is my thought. You know, um, you know, he'll have to show some polish that, you know, for an NFL team to think that, you know, he will be able to step in for them year one if they need to. And maybe, you know, you know, maybe right away is the plan. But even, you know, most teams probably, you know, unless they're picking in the top five, you know, and they don't have a quarterback, you know, most teams, I don't think, want to immediately turn to a rookie, right? So they'll draft him thinking, you know, we probably have a guy that we think this guy, we, we think Penix is going to be the future. You know, let's, let's see you know, he seems to be mostly ready and, you know, there's going to be a time where he has to step in and, you know, so they're going to kind of look for that year one. Right. Yeah. And speaking of, this is the perfect transition. Speaking of 
development, progress, a team not wanting to put him in the mix right away. The top of the, the heap here in terms of declarations, I gave my take on it last week, so I wanted to get yours before we talk about some of the other guys. Anthony Richardson, everything seemed to be pointing towards it would make sense for him to go back to school, but he's coming out, and a lot of people seem to think he's going round one. Obviously, my thoughts on him. I love it. High-level traits. Uh, I'm intrigued by him. He's... I was intrigued by Malik Willis, right, who ended up falling to the third round, but I thought could have went late round one. But this is a guy who played at a much higher level of competition. He's got more of the size prototype. Malik Willis didn't have that. He's got that elite athletic ability. I think he's got better natural arm talent than Willis. Is there tons of growth and development needed? For sure. I think he's going to end up going round one. And I know you mentioned it a while ago on Twitter. If the NFL loves Will Levis, who has all these things that he's got to work on and develop. Well, why are they also going to love Anthony Richardson, who basically, if you're if you're talking about a checklist of traits, Anthony Richardson, every trait physically is superior to Will Levis. Yeah, I, I think the only box that Levis might um, check, you know, like take, you know, have better than Richardson is a perfect pocket deep ball. You know, like, and that's it. Like, it has conditions have to be perfect, and Levis can chuck it, you know, sixty yards, you know, on a line, on a dime, and and place it exactly where it needs to go. Like, but but that's, I mean, that's that's not always necessarily going to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, and obviously, like, it's not. I'm not saying Richardson's like a polished prospect or anything like that, but um, but yeah, I mean, I I think he's a better athlete. I, you know, I think he's you know a better problem solver. Um, you know, I love his decision to go into the NFL this year. I think he will be a round one pick. And I, I actually, we know the mold, you know, we've seen it now multiple times, right? Like we've, we've seen it with Hertz. We've seen it with Kyler. We've seen it with Fields. We've seen it with Lamar. Like if having a level of mobility that can help your, your team, you know, without having to throw it and and sort of be that NFL sort of prototype pocket passer, right? I mean, you're I, I do say it. Games are won and lost from the pocket, and and I and I'll still hold by that. Like if you, if you can't play in the pocket, I I think your your time in the NFL is going to be short. But that doesn't mean you have to be able to do it right away. I mean, we've seen, you know, we've seen that blueprint, and when coaches are willing to let a player operate in a way where he you know he he uses his what's what his affordances are you know to achieve the goal that needs to be there it doesn't have to be sort of like if it's a kyle shanahan he that would rub him the wrong way and he, it would never work despite how much of a genius you know shanahan is but you know as far as play design but like if you give it to you know a guy like dayball who we've already seen you know implement that type of strategy with josh allen and you know ask him to be the nfl quarterback realize his you maybe his plate's a little bit too full pair it back for him and let him do what he does best and then you know learn his limitations and and sort of grow with what he's capable of like that's the kind of thing that anthony like that will anthony richardson will thrive in a situation like that and so it you know 
it will depend. Like I think Malik Willis going to Tennessee, you know, it does not seem like Vrabel is the most flexible coach and wants Malik Willis to play a certain way and doesn't trust him. And, and I mean, we heard all of that in the preseason, you know, I know Vrabel's a good coach. I know he develops players, you know, we'll, we'll see what the, the long-term, you know, result of all of that is, but you know, it, it will depend on Richardson finding a good landing spot. I mean, I think the lions would be a great landing spot as well. Um, you know, Dan Campbell had Taysom Hill back down there for a while. Like, I mean, he, he kind of learned under Sean Payton. I think that's a great creative mind. Maybe Sean Payton goes to the NFL and drafts Anthony Richardson. I don't know. Um, although he, he, he praised Caleb Williams recently. So maybe he's waiting one more year, uh, you know, for his return. Um, in short, you know, because I've I've talked about it a lot. I, I I absolutely love it. I can't wait to see, uh, you know, to see his off season and where he ends up, and maybe just you know, I I know we all love him. You know, Matt Waldman's been putting um together a lot of content. I think he's starting to really dig into his RSP scouting and and you know he's been putting a lot of cut ups on Twitter and you know he's he's got some love. He's got some love for guys like Anthony Richardson. He, he he has some love for one of my favorites, Jake Hayner, out there. So you know, it's you know when it, when we when it comes to you know looking up and kind of seeing you know who a prospect is, I you know I, I would recommend is you know his his account's pretty good for that. So yeah, um, for sure. If you want to so, see Anthony Richardson love, yeah, you know he'll you'll find it on his timeline. Yeah, for sure. And and we always love having Matt join us pre-draft, post-draft. So it'll be fun talking to Anthony Richardson with uh with him for sure. Pre-draft and then post-draft once we know where he is headed after the NFL draft. Uh let me rattle off a couple of the other big names and then uh I'll get some quick thoughts and then you can pick or choose, you know, one or two that, that you want to share something on. The other big quarterback this week, Tanner McKee out of Stanford, is is declaring. Uh right now I think he's probably somewhere in the day two range. I know Dane Brugler still is pretty high on him. McKee didn't have the year that I think people expected. Stanford just as a whole kind of down. But if somebody likes the traits of him and isolates it away from the you know, the disaster that was Stanford this year, maybe he's a guy that, you know, can get pushed up uh, a little bit there in terms of Tanner McGee. Uh, running backs, Tank Bigsby and Devin A-Chain declared. A-Chain, not a surprise. I think he's locked in as the third RB after B. John and, and Jameer Gibbs. Tank's an interesting one, right? Because I thought he might have been one of those guys that maybe would have entered the portal and found the landing spot and just had a monster final year and then came out. But he's thrown his hat into the mix. I still think he'll be a day two guy for sure. Uh, wide receiver, Josh Downs. I think he's probably ticketed for a top 50 type player. If Wandell's going top 50, if Jahan Dotson's going in the first round, I think Josh Downs falls somewhere between those two, you know, archetypes in terms of draft capital. Uh, Smith and the Jigba, we'll see. He, I think he still goes round one, but I think there's more question marks about Jackson Smith and the Jigba than there has been about other Ohio State wide receivers, especially not playing at all this year. Those questions still linger. Is he slot only? Uh, how much can he play outside? He's probably going to be a mediocre tester in terms of the 40 and stuff like that. Uh, so he he officially uh, declared uh, Jadon Hasselwood, who I feel like he's been in college forever. He's coming out out of Arkansas. Parker Washington out of Penn State, who I didn't think lived up to the hype this year that some people really were putting on him, especially in the Devi community. Uh He's probably around three, round four type guy. Uh, Dontavian Wicks out of Virginia. He's another one that 
pre-draft buzz in the summer was more like a round three, round four guy, one of the, one of the, the top older uh, wide receivers. And then in the tight end position, Michael Mayer, we knew he was coming out, clear tight end one, uh, one of you know two guys who, who could go in round one in terms of tight ends, him and Darnell Washington. Uh, Tucker Craft at a small school, South Dakota State. I think he's going early day two. So I think we might have three tight ends in like the top 40 or top 50 picks. And then Luke Musgrave, the NFL seems to really like him. The guys who are on the Intel seem to really like him. He doesn't have a lot of production to match it up. But Luke Musgrave is a guy who I feel like we're going to be talking a lot about because the NFL seems to really be intrigued with him, even though he doesn't really have the production. He was on Bruce Feldman's freak list back in the summer. Now he's declaring. I think he probably has some intel that teams are intrigued with him, even though he doesn't have the collegiate, you know, receiving production. Uh, NFL must like him and think, you know, he's in that round three mix, maybe early round four uh, for him to declare. So, Jeff, any thoughts? Anybody from that list kind of stand out? You want to share one or two thoughts maybe on the guy? You know, it's I'm just going to keep following which running backs. You know, it it has the potential to be a pretty stacked class. I don't think that's necessarily going to stop teams from taking them where they should. And I, I – you know, I think, you know, we're talking a bunch of names round two. You know, I, I have said, you know, I wonder if we are going to get a record number of running backs. I, um, you know, I know, you know, we've had that conversation and I think, you know, we've landed very much so that, you know, it, if there's a lot of good options, you know, teams might wait till day three round, you know, but I, I don't think it's crazy, you know, that, you know, I look back and I think, you know, a couple decades ago, we hit like 11 running backs into draft class, like once, you know, and I think if we get 10, 11 running backs, you know, that's going to be a very high year, um, you know, for the NFL draft. And I, and I really think that that's, you know, not crazy. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how, how it plays out, you know, with, with the position and, you know, a lot of high-end guys, right? We, we we like the class. We'll still see, you know, still wait and see on like Zach Evans and, and other guys making an official. Uh, but, but Tank's in there, A-Chain's in there. You know, two guys we'll be talking a lot about over the coming months. Let's take this yeah. to the NFL Rookie Report for this past week. Only a couple names kind of stand out that I kind of want to pick your brain on. One, Jameson Williams returns. Nice to see him back, you know, Two weeks ago, he made his debut. He only played a couple snaps. This past week, you know, defense kind of forgot to cover him, but it was nice to see him find the end zone, 41-yard touchdown pass. It'd be interesting to kind of see him down the closing stretch of this year, especially as Detroit's really playing well. Uh, and Goff is showing a little bit more in terms of vertical ability, in terms of passing acumen. Kind of see how they integrate Jameson Williams this year, but really just a little, this is more of a little teaser this year for Jameson Williams. And then the next year, we could really see him break out. Uh, pair of Patriots rookie running backs had got thrown into the mix last night on Monday Night Football due to uh, Damian Harris being inactive last night due to injury. And then Ramondre Stevenson getting hurt. Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris both scored touchdowns last night. I think the interesting question there would be if we're assuming Damian Harris is not with the Patriots next year, which I think is a pretty safe assumption. We know the Patriots like to use multiple guys. Do you have a preference, Jeff, in terms of Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris? One's more of the bruising, physical, interior guy. One's more of the space, outside type guy. Uh, It'd be interesting to kind of see what the dynasty, maybe in fantasy community, thinks about who could be Ramondre's running mate next year. And then Brock Purdy, obviously, you follow the Niners closely, has stepped in two really efficient performances over the last two weeks. 
185 yards, two touchdowns. Obviously, had to ask your thoughts on Brock Purdy and what you've been seeing with him. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jameson Williams, this is just just the tip of the the iceberg, and and there's more to come. And you know, he's he's a dynamic player, so you know, his snaps are starting to increase. You know, DJ Chark's playing well, so I don't think he's going to just take over this year. But I think Detroit just wants him to get some experience so that, you know, he can come in next year and really help that that team take off. You know, I don't know that, you know, between Strong and Harris that there's really anybody that, you know, I think is going to become a major sort of sneaky buy great value. You know, we've seen, you know, we've seen Damian Harris, you know, out this year both those guys on the roster and Ramondre Stevenson is, is the guy. I mean, we've talked about him as a buy and sending first round picks and, you know, and him and his place in the the dynasty running back ranks of, you know, RB one kind of guy. Um, I, you know, I know the Patriots run multiple running backs out there, but you know, I don't think it's, you know, I, I don't think they're going to force it if, if Ramondre is playing, playing as well as he is. And so, you know, I think I've I've been on the Pierre Strong side of this, you know, when we were, you know, looking at them as rookies, um, when we were evaluating the draft classes and, you know, who, you know, might be able to make more impacts. You know, I think Strong has, you know, a little bit more upside as a receiver, you know, but again, I, you know, Ramondre can do all of that. And so I don't think there's anything specifically that, um, you know, I think those guys are going to be like little siphons you know, uh, out of a um, giant Ramondre pie, you know, strong on PPR side, Kevin, a little goal line vulture here and there, but, um, you know, what I think is going to really be the Ramondre trail. Um, let's just have a Brock Purdy party, right? Um, it is strange to see, it, it, it's strange to see this. I, I just, I I knew the 49ers weren't going to go after Baker Mayfield. You know, I, you know, it just, that wasn't a connection that wasn't going to, you know, work. I, I think he'd have done fine with Shanahan, but, you know, I they like what they have in house. And, um, and I guess you kind of see why we're grading on a curve here. And, you know, Purdy has sort of like a cheat sheet because he's got the Shanahan offense and he just has to tell him where to look and he's going to have a read you know, you know, high, low, you know, there's going to be a linebacker in conflict. Where's he go? Go the other way. You know, um, you know, we're going to attack, you know, we're going to attack the defense this way and there's going to be a window in the zone, you know, on your third drop, you know, if not hit the check down to Christian McCaffrey, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you, like the offense is extreme is, is clicking extremely well because the team around him is executing, but that really shouldn't take away from, from Purdy because, you know, he's, st- you still need a conductor and he, he stepped in extremely well. I, I have to temper a little bit of expectations here. Um, we've seen, you know, Nick Mullins, you know, step in when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt a few years back and, you know, run the offense for, you know, three, four, five games really well, and then just kind of show his limitations. And Purdy has his own limitations. You know, he's not going to be someone who's, you know, his arm, you know, isn't that of 
you know, a top level NFL quarterback. Um, he can make the reads, he can get the ball out where it needs to go. But I, I, I do think unless we see some level, it, it, you know, unless you see some level of, of growth in the tools, right? Like, I think Brady was a really good example of, of a, of a player with limitations who improved on those in just a rare, rare way. Like Tom Brady's arm strength got better as, as he progressed through the NFL. Usually you don't see something like that. And so, you know, that's not what I will expect with, with Brock Purdy, but I do think he could be, you know, a really, really good um, point guard who makes sound decisions and in a Shanahan offense that can keep the lights on. So, you know, we'll see where it goes it's probably him for the rest of the playoffs. I, I think the defense is what's going to carry them um, as far as it can go. Oh, you're on mute, Paul. It's interesting how well he's performed in that system. And, and this is why, right? Like I, I was talking about it last week, right? It's why a guy like Stetson Bennett might draw some attention. It's, you know, it's not only about high-level traits. That's the guys at the top of the draft. But as we're seeing Brock Purdy, as we've seen other guys, right? Colt McCoy, you know, has had some moments for Arizona that he's looked competent. And Jake Hayner coming in, yeah. you know. Like, so it's not just about the guys at the top. And what really, this this for another day when, when we really have a lot of time, right? It does open, I think, <clears throat> the question, and we'll never know the true answer, was was Kyle Shanahan really intrigued with Mac Jones to think he could be a better version of Jimmy Garoppolo, a better version of what we're seeing out of Brock Purdy, run his offense, smart, get it out quick, be that point guard. And then was he swayed by other people to go the high upside guy of Trey Lance? Maybe we'll never know. Maybe it was always Trey Lance. Maybe it was supposed to be Mac Jones at first. Because it it does seem like Kyle Shanahan... Really like you know Kirk Cousins. Really like Matt Ryan. Right, a, a type of guys who can be that type of distributor for him. So I don't know. I think it's an interesting Before, question. Go go back. You look at my timeline. You will see. <laughs> you know my whole conspiracy theory wall. You know connecting all the dots and it not making. You know the the national media just not making sense with it all. Um, it. You know, he's on record saying, you know, here's where I fall with Shanahan. He needs somebody who can make the reads, right? Like if you can't make the reads, and that's probably why he was off on Justin Fields, right? If, if you're having trouble making the reads on time, you know, timing and rhythm quarterback, if you're having trouble doing that, you're going to have a trouble running the offense, regardless of how, you know, athletic you are. Um, he, he couldn't get he couldn't draft an anthony richardson he couldn't have you know he couldn't have developed a josh allen you know into the player he is um heck you know even patrick mahomes you know may not have meshed the, the best with him but you know that being said um you know he he's on record saying you know yeah you have to have all these other things but like if you can pair that you know if you can pair you know drew Brees you know, with the legs of Cam Newton, why wouldn't you do that? You know, like that, that just gives you so many more options. And and we know he's such a great run game scheme, you know, strategist and, and having that threat, you know, opens up doors. I, 
you know, I'm sure he liked Mac Jones. I'm sure he he thought Mac Jones would, would be a great, you know, a very good NFL quarterback, you know, but I don't, I don't think that, you know, I think he had, he had a, you know, some love for Trey Lance. Um, you know, I think that, that he saw him as, as his project um, and, and, and sort of his path to a, you know, an evolved offense, like, you know, his off, his offense been wonderful seeing him and McVay go back and forth and like, you know, the evolution of these offenses and, and Shanahan has, has managed to continue to, you know, to evolve the offense and get better and, and kind of adapt to what defenses do. He's done that really well. And and he, he can't just be stagnant and do, do what he does well and, and sit back with a Kirk Cousins kind of guy. And I think he realizes that. And I think that's why we got to, to Trey Lance when we did, I don't think he's upset that Trey Lance is in, in the building. I mean, look at, look at Mac Jones, you know, it's, it's not that, you know, he's, he's a bad prospect, but you know, it's, you know, you're, he's got a ceiling to him that's not as high. I mean, you know, and we could just even look, you know, we talked about, it's not all about these kind of tough end talents, like, you know, and who's looking good, Purdy looking good in Shanahan's system. I mean, Tua's looking good in Miami, right? Like, um, you know, these, these, these offenses are set up, you know, for success, you know, if you can, if you can understand the offense at, you know, a high enough level, like, I don't think you're average, I don't think an average understanding of NFL schemes and offenses in the quarterback position will necessarily work. And I don't think that's what, you know, he'd want people to catch up with, right? Like he, he doesn't want to catch people up with understanding the offense. He, you need to be there mentally and then whatever else you can bring, you know, he's going to build around that. Yeah, I think it's a and, great strategy for any, you know, for any team. Yeah. Right there. And then, then that's why I think he was, in, he was intrigued with Trey Lance, the, the possibility of what extra he could bring to that offense, to his scheme. And, you know, hopefully next year we get a healthy Trey Lance, we get a developed Trey Lance and, and maybe we finally get to start to see it. And the way we were, have gotten excited over Justin Fields at times this year, the way that we've gotten excited at moments of Trevor Lawrence this year, hopefully we're adding into the mix Trey Lance next year and that three pack of quarterbacks from that class that we were so excited for. Hopefully we're seeing them as a, as a next wave of, of really good quarterback play, you know, at the next level. Let's take this to the dynasty stock report and we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about guys as the NFL season concludes, as there's not a lot of college games to digest in, in the month of December here, but I have a five pack here. I want to run through real quick. Three number quarterback questions and then a, a running back and receiver. A couple of are repeats from last week that I wanted to pick your brain on. So let's start with the quarterbacks. First off, I had the conversation last week that I wanted to ask you, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. I think they should be neck and neck in people's mm-hmm. dynasty ranks. I think you can make the case for Joe Burrow. There seems to be a little bit more of a separation than I'm comfortable with. Uh, I'm interested to know that, you know, where do you stand on that? Do you think, you know, the industry's off a little bit there? That's the first quarterback question. Two, are we at the point now? I brought this up early in the year, but now the whole year's, you know, we're concluding. Are we at the point now where QB dynasty rankings should go Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen in some order, and then Jalen Hurts? 
because I do think it's now a legitimate question moving forward. There's no more debate about whether he's the guy. He's the guy in Philadelphia. It's no more they're going to pull the rug out from underneath him. They're going to ride or die with Jalen Hurts for a while, I think, now. So now that's safe. His passing has improved substantially, and he's got the running capabilities. He's stacked with receivers. I think it's a legitimate question. And then third, where do we got to – how do we appropriately, <laughs> appropriately value Deshaun Watson? Because I feel like people want to kind of pencil him right back in, top eight, top yeah. seven. I mean, he's been terrible so far. It's been years since he played. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a, you know, a development curve back needed. But how do we handle him in Dynasty? Yeah. Um, you know, with Herbert and Burrow, you know, I do think, you know, whether you have analysts kind of having a difference or ranking somewhere having a difference, I think if you're, you know, just in any general league, I think they're going to be like, I think they're going to be extremely close. I think some leagues will even just have Burrow because of his, you know, his season and and you have Higgins and Chase there. And in my mind, if I were starting a franchise, for example, and I think that's an okay lens to view is your dynasty teams, but I would pick Justin Herbert because I think he can do things Joe Burrow can't. Um, I, and, you know, if... I will just point back to that, you know, Raiders game last year with the the playoff, the winning in, and just the fourth down conversions, you know, fourth quarter, just the types of throws Herbert was making. I think he was hurt that game too. There, there was the, you know, the game that he had the, maybe that was this year he had the cracked rib and he, you know, still threw a dart yep. over the middle to Mike Williams. Like, you know, the arm talent, you know, behind Justin Herbert is um, in a special category that I, I don't think Burrow quite has it doesn't it's not a knock on Burrow I think he's going to be an extremely good quarterback and his situation so much better right now I mean he's got Higgins and he's got Chase and they're married you know long term with those guys for ne- at least the next few years it's just that situations can change right and and I'll, I'll you know roll that into kind of Jalen Hurts's QB3 and Dynasty I mean Jalen Hurts has AJ Brown and uh, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard um, you know, injuries happen, you know, you, I mean, we, so we see it with Lamar, right. You know, my biggest hesitancy of does Jalen Hurst deserve to be QB three is, you know, we go back and we look at, okay, who were ahead of him, right? Like if you talked about Justin Herbert, well, he had, in, he was injured and his offensive line is injured and, you know, his receivers have been injured all year. Like, it's not like he's had a lot to work with. Um, you know, those things happen. Like Lamar, he's been hurt. He's had no receivers to throw to. Does, does it mean, is this an indictment? Has Lamar taken a step back? No, it just, you know, you have to have a, a, a recipe for success that includes the talent of your quarterback, but it includes a lot of other things too. And, you know, and I think that's why we see, you know, shuffling in, you know, sort of the order, you know, sometimes the guy's three, sometimes he's eight, you know, Sometimes he has a good year, then kind of follows up with a down year. You know, they they shuffle around in their general tiers. And so I think Jalen Hurts deserves to be in that tier. And if you took him as QB3, you know, I, I wouldn't have an issue with it. You know, but if you took Burrow, if you took Lamar, if you took Herbert, if you took Kyler, I know the injury there adds a lot of uncertainty, but, you know, he is still a very creative 
and uh, unique and playmaking quarterback. Um, you know, I really, you know, I really don't have a, a big issue. I think Trevor Lawrence is starting to play his way there. And, you know, with, if Calvin Ridley is the player he was when he left, and if, if he hasn't skipped a beat himself, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence could put be put into a top five kind of conversation too. And so we're talking about a very, there's, there's Patrick Mahomes, there's Josh Allen, and then there's, you know, a half a dozen or so, you know, really good options in a tier there that you want one to build around. Um, and, you know, and I'm happy with that. You know, I talked about Calvin really being off and, and hopefully he is who he was to help elevate Trevor Lawrence. You know, this Deshaun Watson, I don't, I think there's enough precedence for, you know, players missing some time and then being able to come back and, and find their feet again. And I think the most likely the situation that we're going to see with Deshaun Watson, I seen the absolute and utter collapse of Russell Wilson, um, you know, is opened my eyes to a possibility. Deshaun Watson never is the, you know, never returns to his level of play. Um, I never would have thought of that, you know, for, for players of that caliber. Like I think Russell Wilson had played as a, at a hall of fame level in Seattle and I would never have thought that a Hall of Fame level quarterback could disintegrate and be so fragile about this a situation like that. And you know, here we are. And and that's you know, maybe that's the situation with Watson too. But and I don't even think Watson was quite at you know Russ's level. So that possibility is there, but I would still value him as if he's going to come back and and probably be look, there's a lot more high and fantasy quarterbacks, especially with the rushing, you know, upside that, you know, Watson had finished kind of QB five, QB five, QB five, you know, all, you know, several years in a row in Houston. I think there's enough high level fantasy options that, you know, I don't think QB five is necessarily, you know, a trustworthy finish, but he's going to be a good, I, I would assume and value him as if he's going to be a good player with, you know, a moderate risk discount that you're probably going to get if you try to trade for him. Yeah. I think all those points there are really valid. I think it, it does get a little bit muddled after I think the top two quarterbacks, because there really are a lot of really good options who got youth on their side and rushing capabilities or elite level arm talent, you know, and, and I do think Deshaun Watson will find his way back. But as you mentioned, you just never know, right? We we just don't know. Like quarterback, such a mental thing, so much in terms of being playing confident. Has he lost his confidence? Can he just get it back? Does it take one good game? And then, you know, I think those are things that, you know, not being in the mind of a high-level athlete, it's hard for us to kind of kind of process that and, and know. And I think I don't think we're gonna see it this year. I think I think we might be maybe if we see him return, it might not be till next year. So it's really going to make things interesting for the fantasy community to kind of appropriately value him in this offseason or people are doing startup dynasty drafts during this offseason. I think he's a really interesting X factor if he kind of, you know, concludes this year being very lackluster and the Browns are lackluster and they were better with Jacoby Brissett, you know, and he doesn't show any glimpses of that greatness going to really open up more questions going into the offseason that I think it's going to put fantasy owners in a little bit of a, a weird spot of 
Do we just blindly believe that he'll get back to that? Or do we start to think about the possibility that maybe he's not? And I think that's interesting. So, and I'm right there with you in terms of, uh, I understand why people would have Herbert. I just think it should be neck and neck, him and Burrow, uh, you know, in terms of that. Last two guys I want to bring up, J.K. Dobbins, Deontay Johnson. J.K. Dobbins returns this past week, 100 yards. I know we have been big, big fans in the past. Should we get excited again? Because I am very lukewarm. I don't think the Ravens are going to go into this offseason and believe that J.K. Dobbins is the guy going into next season or long term. He's coming up on his last year of his rookie deal. I don't think they're going to give him look to sign him to any decent contract. I don't think they're going to feel like they can trust him with his injury history. I think the Ravens might really consider running back early in the NFL draft. I think they might think B. John. They might think Jameer Gibbs. Maybe they think free agency if Saquon hits the market or somebody else. I think they think they need to have a big-time run game there. They have been missing. They have tried to put anybody back there. It hasn't worked for them the last couple of years. So I'm lukewarm on J.K. Dobbins, even though once upon a time I was super excited. Maybe you could talk me back into him. And then Deontay Johnson, I mean, he started out this year as a top 15 type dynasty wide receiver asset. 60-something catches, 600-something yards, zero touchdowns. We don't usually see production fall off this dramatically for a young player at his age. It's not like he went from elite level Roethlisberger to what they've had this year. He went from washed up Roethlisberger to Pickett, you know, and Mario and not Mariota, uh, Trubisky. I don't know what to make of Deontay Johnson. He got his money last off season. We know he's going to be there. They shipped out Claypool. It's him. It's Pickens. I have a hard time with both. Uh, Deontay Johnson, J.K. Dobbins, as we head towards the home stretch of the NFL season. Yeah, I mean, I think your reticence is probably the prudent approach here. Um, you know, at some level, approach them with some level of tempered expectations. I do think there's upside there, but I don't, uh, you know, even when J.K. Dobbins has been kind of healthy, I mean, he hasn't been a 70% kind of guy or even 60s percent like he has been a 50 percent of the you know backfield type of player and that that's sort of how baltimore has kind of seen him and used him you know even again i think this past weekend it, it's been it was 50 percent him and 50 percent gus edwards it's just that you know dobbins was able to break more more runs get a little bit more yardage get the touchdown um you know i think you're going to see them complement each each other you know those acls really you know really threw wrenches into the ravens plans and i think if you have both of those guys gus edwards and jk dobbins healthy in at the start of the year and ready to go because that wasn't the case this year they weren't healthy and ready to go they were on the pup list or you know there was you know some questions and when they'd be back and you know not not a hundred percent off the recovery look um if, if they're hundred percent healthy going into a season i think you're going to feel okay about it especially when you have so many other needs like i don't know how you can invest in when you have jk dobbins still on a rookie deal when you still have gus edwards is you know as sort of his 
restricted free agent or, you know, you know, a UDFA kind of contract um, that, that you're going to go in and put another asset, you know, to the running back room with a high draft capital when you really need to invest in, you know, Lamar Jackson, invest in a more diverse passing game. You know, that's what's been the biggest problem. I mean, their running game hasn't been great, but but they've been throwing to like Demarcus Robinson. They've been throwing to, um, I mean, Devin Duvernay is their best player. You know, and and he's kind of had a few scheme looks. You know, it's um, it's been a really rough go for them. And and I just, you know, I don't see how they, uh, I I don't see how they just. N- not make the passing game, you know, in defense, sort of their, their focal point. Um, they'll, they'll probably try to add to the room. Nobody goes in with a thin depth chart. No, no teams want to go in with a thin depth chart. So they'll probably add somebody. And this is a great running back class. So, you know, even if they get a guy in day three, you know, I think there's some really good opportunity there, but it, it's not going to be one guy taking things over. I don't think they'll invest in Bijan because, you know, I don't think they're, I don't, I don't think they're, I think they're a rotation kind of team. Um, and, and I don't think they're, they're going to get a Saquon or a Bijan that they're going to just, you know, put in there for 80% of snaps. I could be wrong. You know, teams do change. They, they, they decide to change their philosophy, but um, you know, but I would do it different. And in, if I'm going to guess and I'm going to project things for the off season, I do think it'll probably go a little bit different than that. I yeah. Think and I mean, beyond- yeah, I was just gonna say I think they're clearly missing Hollywood Brown, right? I know he wanted yeah. to be traded and they 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 granted his his request, but it's it's been clear that his, the loss of him has hurt it. And I think it's hurt Mark Andrews production because teams are focusing I mean, in on Mark Andrews and Bateman hasn't lived up and there they, was some weird stuff they going were, on with Bateman too because they were a top like top offense the first three weeks. And they had Bateman healthy. And and he was even just kind of working his way into the offense. He went down and they had nobody left, um, you know, to throw to besides Mark Andrews. And, and you know, that's when everything, you know, went off the rails for them. Obviously, some injuries to the running game, too, but just didn't help things. But but there there's 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 nobody to throw to, you know, <laughs> that they, they looked we, we forget because it's so long ago, but they looked like we we were almost excited that we had elite Lamar level, like MVP level Lamar Jackson back, you know, when we were two, three weeks into the season, it's just things change that fast. Right. And that's why, you know, when we go back to the quarterback discussion, just, you know, things change so fast. We've seen AJ Brown get hurt with his knees before, right? Like if AJ Brown is gone from that Philly offense, you know, do we still have, you know, the secret sauce recipe for Jalen hurts, um, you know, to, you know, to be as good, can teams kind of key in on stopping him? I, it's just one of those things where you need a lot to go right to have a great season. And, you know, it hasn't for the Chargers, it hasn't for the Ravens. And, you know, you, I think the, the focus of the off season is to make sure that, you know, when something does go wrong, you're somewhat insulated. I mean, again, that's why the 40, I didn't think the 49ers were keen that they had to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo because, that's, you know, that's the whole thing. You know, what if something goes wrong? It's nice to have that ace in the hole, right? I, most teams think that way too. You know, we look at it, especially from like a fantasy lens, right? If you're playing fantasy football, it, you know, 
our, our NFL fans, you know, team team fans of teams, like they get this, they know this, but we have, you know, with fantasy football listeners, you know, they look at the, they want the number one of the depth chart. Right. And they're like, Oh no, we can improve, you know, the depth chart or why do they need to improve this depth chart? We have Brees Hall, right. Uh, or we have Michael or we have Michael Carter. Why do we need to improve this depth chart? He's a good running back. Right. And obviously like you see, how NFL teams, you know, NFL teams don't, that, that's why Damian Pierce is not going to be the same level of fantasy player. He will next year because teams will not, the, the Houston Texans will not feel good about only Damian Pierce as the only name on their running back depth, depth chart. They're, they're going to pull more people in um, and they'll probably draft some people and, and they could probably draft talented people to go alongside Damian Pierce. I don't think Damian Pierce is the level, you know, quality athlete that will hold people off. And I think we have to think of JK Dobson that way too, where he's, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to be, you know, hold off other good players, um, you know, to demand all of the work, mostly also be just because I just don't think the Ravens will necessarily want him to have to do that. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to kind of see how that situation plays out. But it is just again, uh, you know, a realization that things change very, very quickly in the NFL. Guys who are in top fifteen, top twenties, right? They could fall out of favor very quickly. Things are constantly changing you know, in terms of rankings. Yeah, sometimes it's just reshuffling guys in the top five or top ten. But sometimes, like, you could have major, major movement in the teens, in the early 20s, you know, year to year, half a season to another half a season. And I, and I think we're seeing that over this NFL season for sure. Some injury-related, some performance-related, uh, you know, so it, it's something to always, you know, touch base with. Uh, when we're talking dynasty rankings and, and stuff like that. So there it is, guys. NFL Dynasty Stock Report, NFL Rookie Report, uh, and the NFL Draft Stock Report for this week. If you are enjoying this content, please get over to the website, SS Football, fastest and easiest way to visit it. Check out the premium content tab for $9.99. You get access to all of our content scouting notebook gonna have lots of updates over the next couple weeks month the rankings notebook all our different rankings we'll sort that out by the guys that declare the guys that don't and then the nfl draft projections notebook in april as well we will continue to bring you weekly shows here even with the college football season in the books we'll check in on the bowl games things that stood out even though a lot of the highly decorated draft eligible guys really don't even play in these games anymore there'll be some stuff to talk about in terms of performances we'll have more people declaring going back to school entering the transfer portal we'll take a look at the you know people who have accepted invites to the all-star game shrine bowl and senior bowl as well and then a lot of stuff recapping the nfl year from the rookie perspective and setting the foundation for entering this off season. So on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.